Nice job. Nice job. Well done. Well done. Very creative. Love the Calvin internet. Did we not? <laughs> Big fans. Big fans. In this playful and worshipful spirit, let's go to our God in prayer. God, we thank you for creativity. We thank you for laughter. We thank you for brothers and sisters who call us to account for how we're uh, using your resources. We thank you for this time, uh, whether we're living on campus or off campus, where we can be reminded that you are an amazing, creative, generous God. And when we just grasp your resources and use them for our own benefit and indulgence, you are taking advantage of a good and perfect gift that you have given us. So we do ask for forgiveness for the thoughtless ways in which we waste energy, water, resources, the gifts that other people give us. We want to be good stewards of all that you give us because this is one way, one more way in which we get to both reflect your glory and bring it to you. So God, help us. Help us as dorms, as households, as apartments, to be very intentional about how we use energy so that we can bring you glory and honor your beautiful creation. We pray for all of our friends who are traveling abroad and are seeing your creation in new ways, whether they're in London or whether they're on the amazing race or in the Galapagos Islands. We pray safety for them. We pray for those who are watching us online at different points, that they will be connected to this community even though they're apart from it and be reminded that we are holding them in prayer and can't wait to see them back here again. We thank you for the more relaxed schedule that interim brings to many of us and help us to use our time well. That too is a gift. So if we have a little bit more time, Lord, help us to invest it in relationships, in caring well for people, and spending more time with you. We thank you for the invitation that we have every day on this campus to come and worship, to remember what's most important. We thank you for the opportunity of the January series to listen to people from all over the world who are doing amazing things. And we ask that we continue to be inspired to live lives that bring you glory. And Lord, we pray for people in our community who are continuing to heal over injuries. We pray for the students who are involved in the car accidents over Thanksgiving, who continue to heal mentally, physically, and spiritually. We pray that you restore them completely. We pray for those who went home for Thanksgiving, or home for Christmas and the New Year, and there was somebody who wasn't there because of death or illness or distance. We pray that you'll continue to comfort those who grieve. Today we lift up Aaron and Betsy Winkle as they grieve the loss of Betsy's father who died suddenly this weekend. We pray for Aaron as he prepares to officiate at the service tomorrow. Help him to rest well tonight and give him words that remind everyone of the truth of the resurrection and the power of life over death. We thank you, God, that you are continually working in us to put to death the things that lead us astray and to raise us to new life. And so as we turn again to your word, we pray that you open it up for us afresh and stir in us ways to live more for your glory and the building of your kingdom. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people say, amen. 
So we're looking at Genesis 1. Ah, it's found on page 1. Yes, Genesis 1. And we're going to focus on uh, the creation of humankind, and in particular, verse 28. So we'll be looking at verse, verses 26 through 31 is what we're going to read. And God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves over the earth. God said, see, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And now this phrase that we're going to focus on is the idea of have dominion. Dominion. Dominion is a fun word. We like dominion. You can see roots of other words in dominion. Dominate, for example. We like it a whole lot when our women's basketball team dominates Hope College's women's basketball team, right? Yes, yes. Dominate, dominion. There's this idea of being in charge, being responsible, but also getting other people to do what you want. I have dominion over you. You do what I say, dominion. In fact, it's become a real compliment in contemporary English if you tell someone that they're dominating. We say, you rule. Judah, you ruled in that video. You totally rule. Steve, you rule. Right? It's a compliment. There's power and status and prestige to dominion. I rule. And there's this idea that when you are dominating, you have conquered something and it is yours and you can do with it what you wish. And this is exactly how other creation myths set up the relationship between the gods, small g, and the creation that they make. The other ancient Near East cultures that also have stories of creation set them up so that the gods very much dominate the creation. They create human beings, but they do it so that the human beings will serve them. They create so that they can exploit in the creation story that we are given in the book of Genesis, it's a very different idea. God 
creates and he delights and he blesses. Very different idea. In fact, in the creation myths of the ancient Near East, one of the first tasks that human beings are given is to go out and get food for the gods. And here, one of the first gifts that our God gives to his people is food. I give you food. Now, if you were here last week, you heard Professor Kurt Schaefer preach. Incidentally, uh, full-time economics professor, chair of our economics department. The last few years, he's been going to seminary part-time, working on his Master of Divinity degree. So imagine you have a more than full-time job, and on the side, you're taking Greek and Hebrew and church history and New Testament exegesis. So in those moments when you feel like your life is a little bit busy, I just want you to think about Kurt Schaefer. He leads chapel every Thursday. He's an intern. He has submitted himself to being an intern in our department in campus ministries. And this is how he is being obedient to the calls that God's placing on his life. And so he preached last week, for those of you. And if you missed it, you have to go watch it online because it was brilliant. And he told us about how kings in the ancient Near East would go out and establish their rule. If there was a little problem in that zone, they would go out to that zone, they would clean up the problem, and then they would establish a temple there, reminding everybody what they did. And then in that temple, they would place their own image so that people would remember who had done that thing. And we see that here in the book of Genesis the story begins, Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, there was chaos and void, formlessness. The Hebrew for it is tohu vabohu. Isn't that great? Tohu vabohu. Chaos. Some of your rooms, right? Tohu, vabohu, chaos. And God moves into the chaos, and he orders out the chaos, and he separates light from darkness. He separates the waters. He separates earth from sky. He creates. He creates beauty and order where there was tohu, vabohu. He sets up a temple for his glory, and in the temple he places image bearers, you can hear his delight. <gasps> Let's make human beings. <gasps> let's make them in our image after our likeness. And, and, and let's give them dominion over everything. Yes. This is the best idea I've come up with yet. This is great. And he establishes the image bearers in the midst of the glorious temple. And he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Have dominion. Go on, go on, go have some dominion. And now when our God is talking about dominion, he's talking about dominion the way he has dominion. He's not talking about dominion the way the other ancient Near East cults talk about their gods having dominion, where that's exploitation and manipulation and lying and grasping for more. When we're talking about the dominion of our God, we are talking about dominion that one scholar calls unceasingly generous. We're talking about dominion 
that sits at the end of each day and goes, that was good. That was a good job, team. That was good. It was good. There's delight in creation and there's anticipation that the next day is going to be good too. And then he gets to the end of day six. He says, that was very good. There's delight in God's dominion. And there is this co-regency that he gives to the humans. In the other ancient Near East creation myths, the gods do not speak to the humans. The humans are beneath them. The humans are merely to be manipulated, played with. In our creation story, God speaks to us. He invites us in to his playground to share with him in dominion. He invites us in as covenant partners. He invites us in as people that he wants to help him out. This dominion thing is so much fun. I want you to be in on it with me. Come on. Delight, bless, enjoy. Dominion is not about grasping. It's about unceasing generosity. And we see this throughout Scripture, not only in Genesis, but through the whole of Scripture. God is again and again going after his people, reaching out toward them in generosity. Even when they turn away from him, he reaches out toward them. He sends them prophets. He sends them teachers. He tries always to bring them back. He is unceasingly generous with his very own self. Paul writes in Philippians 2 that Jesus Christ did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the role of a servant, even to the point of death, even to the point of death on the cross. There is so much in our world that tells us dominion is about grasping, about having more, about controlling more powers, about gathering more things. It doesn't matter how much stuff you have, you need more stuff. This is the measure of success. Grasp more, be in charge of more. This is how we know how valuable you are. That is old dominion. New dominion does not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but empties itself. Empties itself. So as I was reading all the things that we can do for kilowatt, you know, turning off the water when we're blushing our teeth and taking a limited amount of showers during the week, you can determine that for yourselves using one plate and one cup in the dining hall, all these ways in which we can earn points. And I was thinking about, oh, you know, what kind of things can I do in my own life? What, what kind of changes do I need to make? And I was thinking about how in the warm months, remember those? Um, in the warmer months, one of my favorite things to do in the mid-afternoon is to go from my office, which is in the Commons Annex, for those of you who didn't know that, Commons Annex near the ATM, so if you know where the ATM is, come find me. I have chocolate. So 
I go from my office in the Commons Annex, and I walk through the Commons Annex, and I go into Johnny's, and I go into those wonderful refrigerated cases full of beautiful things, and I get one of these. Lipton, unsweetened, no lemon iced tea. And I take my precious <laughs> out into the courtyard of Johnny's, and I crack it open. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff. And I find a spot on a bench, and I look at all the beautiful trees and the flowers and the ground. I sit on the bench and I take in all of God's created beauty. <laughs> While consuming a beverage from something that is causing his creation to suffer. Oh. You've walked past that tree, maybe, this, this week, the tree with all the bottles. And it, maybe you've read that a bottle of water is 8, 000, uh, 1,000 times more expensive than a, a glass of tap water. Maybe you read that 80% of these bottles don't get recycled, that they just get pitched. There's more data on there about how these kind of bottles are really hurting our creation. So, I was trying to think. All right. Okay, that's like three to five bottles a week that I'm consuming. Okay, well, okay, so here's what I could do. I could brew my own iced tea, and I could keep it in the little fridge that we have in our office suite, and I would just have it there every week, and I could get like a reusable cup thingy and, um, and just reuse it. But then would I need ice? Would I have to have ice? And really would I want to do instant tea and I, or, or like brew it and then bring it in, and that just sounds like a lot, or would I brew it and like have a little thing in my office where I like brew iced tea and start, and then I began to think, you know what, this is really complicated. <laughs> it's really inconvenient. Oh, and I don't like being inconvenient. And, and there's so much about this old kilowatt stuff, it's just so inconvenient. You know, if you do what they say and you turn off your power strip when you leave the room, when you come back in the room, this is what you're doing. <laughs> Who wants to do that every time you go in and out of the room? You click on your lamp and you're like, oh, damn, you have to plug it back in. I mean, it's so inconvenient. You know, I mean, come on. And then you go to the dining hall and you have like your glass and your plate and you're like, how much can I fit on one plate? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, they've got wings. <sighs> and I shouldn't eat meat anyway for the whole thing and the vegetarian. Oh. And it's just so inconvenient to care well for creation. It's so inconvenient to do good dominion. <sighs> costs us something, doesn't it? It costs us 
something, to live as God invites us to live. It costs us. It's inconvenient for us. It makes us change our behaviors so that we're actually thinking about things other than ourselves. I hate that. But doesn't that sound exactly like discipleship? That our God has done for us in Christ a giving up of himself that none of us can ever hope to match. Was it inconvenient for God? I believe it was. It was inconvenient for him to set up his beautiful temple of earth to put man and woman in the garden and say, do dominion with me. It turned out to be very inconvenient for him. It cost him something. It costs God something to be in relationship with us. It costs him. It costs Jesus Christ his life. So when we talk about good practices of creation care and sustainability and kilowatt, we're not just doing it so that our dorm can win 200 bucks to use however we want. That's actually very much beside the point. We're doing it because our God invites us to live into new dominion. He invites us to live a life in which we refuse to keep grasping under things that nurture our indulgence and our convenience. And he invites us to be unceasingly generous with our time and ourselves and our resources because this is who God in Christ and the Holy Spirit is. You, me, we are invited to do the inconvenient things because our God has been inconvenienced for us. We are invited to sacrifice the things that we love, the things that make our life easier because God in Christ has sacrificed for us. And he has given us the beauty of this world to be reminded again and again that he is unceasingly generous. Our God does not grasp more and more and more. Our God continues to give and give and give and give. And if a small way for us to show him our gratitude and to reflect his image back means that we tend well to his creation, then, oh man, don't we want to do that? That our God, who loved us so much, he put us on this particular planet with all of its living creatures and every little creepy thing that creeps across the ground, and he said, go have dominion. Go have fun, create, bless, explore, delight, because that is new dominion. And so during this month and next month and the month after that, our God invites us to give back as he has given to us. That is dominion. Will you pray with me?
Our God, we thank you for this beautiful gift of creation. We marvel at it, catching snowflakes on our tongues, building snow people on the commons lawn, enjoying the warmth of the sun, the beauty of a sky. Thank you. So Holy Spirit, we pray that we are good image bearers, that we express our new dominion in ways that reflect your incredible self-sacrificing love for us. We pray, Father, Son, and Spirit, that you will animate us to new ways of living that shove aside the old dominion of grasping for more and instead embrace the new dominion of unceasing generosity. May we live our lives with open hands. May we be willing to take on inconveniences because it means that others in this beautiful created world can flourish. And we thank you above all for Jesus Christ who is there at creation, the image of the invisible God who laid his life down so we can live and demonstrates dominion for us day after day after day. It's in his name that we pray and all God's people say, amen.